Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, You'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. In 2019, the first Strange Realities Conference took place in Nashville, Tennessee. The pandemic and turmoil the following year could not stop 2020's conference from thriving in cyberspace as a live streaming event. Now, for 2021, the third annual Strange Realities Conference will combine these worlds into a paranormal hybrid event, live in person in Nashville and streaming online. Join us in exploring just how truly strange our reality can be with an interdimensional lineup of speakers presenting unique and intellectual perspectives on magic, mysteries, and the paranormal. Featuring Alan Greenfield, Dr. J. Michael Bennett, a.k.a. Dr. Future, Tim Banal, Soraya Ascaf, Dr. Stephen Finley, Aaron Gullius, Amy Pachula, Brent Rains, Chris Ernst, Heather Mosher, Michael Hughes, Jose Herrera, Joshua Cutchin, Kiki Dombrowski, Nathan Isaac, P.D. Newman, Stephen Snyder, a.k.a. Recluse, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Steve Stockton, and Brent Collier. Tickets available at It's going to be amazing. So welcome to Conspiranormal, everybody. We've got a powerhouse tonight as we gear up in the... Less than now, two months to the Strange Realities Conference, uh, coming up October 15th through 17th. And we've got three of the speakers uh, that are going to uh, to be there, hopefully, if uh, you know the Delta variant doesn't kill everybody by the time that that's done. Uh, so we have Aaron Gullius. Hi. Uh, Christopher Ernst. Hello, everyone. And certainly, last but not least, the great Soraya Askath. Hello. The great. Hello, Soraya. The great, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, I, do I have face paint on? Is that is, like Japanese wrestling type of great? <laughs> He's infamous. He's more well, than you famous. Know, you know, you, you, you are great, Soraya. What can, what can we say? Um, you definitely keep, definitely keep everybody entertained. And uh, like I said, this is... Uh, this is a powerhouse tonight, and we're going to just talk about like kind of a grab bag of topics. Um, I'm a big fan of both Saucer Life and Where Did the Road Go, and both those guys, you guys are going to be appearing at the conference with us, as well as Chris, who... 
Chris, Chris is one of the regular co-hosts on where the road go to. So, yeah, yeah. I am off and on there. It's my pleasure to be. And I just yes. recently visited Sarai up there and uh, we shot some stuff around his uh, his haunted graveyard. Uh, yeah. Hope to go? see that soon. Mm-hmm. How'd that go? Do you have any experiences? No, I wish. Like I was telling Sarai when I was I, I, I haven't really gone. I, as soon as I got back, um, I started getting uh, uh, um, inundated with um pre uh, semester stuff for school from the semester starting again. So I haven't had a chance to really log the footage, but I'm hoping that there's like all sorts of spectral, you know, uh, Weird uh, impressions on there and stuff like that. <laughs> there wasn't anything physical. No, nothing happened to us while we were there. Yeah, but, nothing notable. Yeah. Nothing notable. So, have you had any weird um, experiences lately? Yes. So you, you've at least got one each time I have you on. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a really hard to follow one. You want me to get into it? Yeah, yeah. We'll try, yeah try us. Absolutely. Right. So, as, as Chris knows, uh, Natalie, who's also on the show, is uh, wanting her stay upstairs in my house because she needed somewhere to stay. So, she also has lots of weird things happen to her. Uh, if anyone who's heard her on my show knows. And uh, there was this day I had a dream that I was driving to Ithaca and right at the spot in on Route 89 headed toward Ithaca where I saw a UFO back in 2001. I see this guy on a motorized scooter in the dream, except he's like a ghost and he's like trailing like mist behind him. And I'm like, oh, that's that's really cool. I should stop and take a picture. But then I realized I have a dash cam because I actually do have a dash cam now. And so after the, and then other weird stuff happens in the dream. So anyway, I get up and I say something to her and she tells me she just had a dream that morning about uh, a guy dressed all in black who was leaving ghosts behind him. And so I was like, okay, that's interesting. So then I drive to Ithaca. No guy on a scooter where I had it in the dream. But then I get down to Ithaca. And as I get down to Ithaca, there's the guy all in black on a motorized scooter like I've never seen before other than in the dream. And I got it on the dash cam. And so she pulled it apart because she kind of freaked her out. And you can't see his face. Man without a face. Like he's wearing a hoodie or a windbreaker, which is what she described in the dream. That's black. And it was like over a hundred degrees that day. Right. So it would have been pretty unnatural for somebody to do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was probably just a person. There was some other aspect to it too. That was synchronistic, but I can't remember what it was, but it was just one of those weird, like the hell was that type of experiences? Like, I don't think it means anything, but it's like, we both picked up miscellaneous junk from the same experience, mm. mm -hmm. but I wouldn't have noticed him. Like I wouldn't even thought twice about it. Had I not had the dream. This happened right outside the, did this happen pretty close to where you live? Like this happened just outside of Ithaca. It was outside of Ithaca. Okay. Maybe uh, do like a missed connections and Craigslist. <laughs> I considered <laughs> it post, post a picture on Facebook. Anyone seen this guy? Phantom man riding. on bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, it was the type of scooter that you normally just stand on and push with your foot, except this one was motorized. Oh, okay. I've never seen that before until I had the dream about it. And that's exactly what he was on. And I went by with a freaking motorized scooter. Hmm. Wow. I can't, <laughs> there was one other part to it, but I can't remember what it was now. Why do you have so many weird experiences, Sarai? Like nothing ever happens to me. I don't know. 
And you're just so, I love how you're so nonchalant about them too. It's just like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> they really are spread out though. Like when it seems like a lot because that's what I talk about. But in reality, I can go months without anything weird happening other than maybe sleep paralysis or weird dream. Oh, that, that was the other part of it. So when I, So later in the dream, I couldn't wake up. I became lucid. I was sitting in, the, in this park with this guy and there were ghosts all over the place and he couldn't see them. And I'm like, why the hell can't you see them? And then I became lucid and I tried to wake mm. up and I couldn't wake up. And every time I tried to wake, like finally at one point I kind of woke up and immediately went back into the dream state. And I'm like, damn it. And it was getting really frustrating. So in Natalie's dream, she saw me walking around the house asleep and she couldn't wake me up. Mm. So again, I don't know if it means anything, but it was weird that all those pieces kind of came together. Yeah, it's it's the the idea of something of it being meaningful and synchronicities, I think is something that people, I don't know, I think about it often uh these days because I feel like um a lot of discussion and maybe a lot of media that's going on sort of in the para weird world is, you know, really leaning into the idea of synchronicities and, you know, um, for good reason, I think, you know, Hellier was really popularized that. And I think there's also some, you know, validity to looking into that. And obviously the, you know, down Ardian and Lauren Coleman's twilight language and sort of, you know, the precursor to it. But I do think that, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, synchronicity can pretty easily turn into, um, you know, everything is connected in a way that is like these weak connections that I think you're talking about. Like, I don't know if it means anything. And I think for a lot of people, particularly when this, they start to follow the synchronicities for the first time, it can become like they can feel like this profundity and that there's something, you know, everything is connected in a significant way. But um, I guess I feel like that, you know, it's it would behoove someone to sort of parse it out in the way that you're doing like you know is this in the way that young described a synchronicity a meaningful coincidence and you know for a lot of people personally there might be many th things that are meaningful but i think sometimes you can kind of lose yourself in the spiral of well, why oh yeah. these are connected but why you know you're when it's really just obsess about it what's that you're kind of over obsess about it yeah well but, and you come from some spiritual traditions even back to your childhood that that emphasize discernment of experience and things like that too so yeah yeah and like you know most things i'm completely blind to you know my own prejudices you know positive or not so uh yeah i definitely think in a very different way about that and i don't by no means am i saying that like people shouldn't feel you know something special about that happening uh, i think for some people, it can just be like it, it can be um, confusing, though, and it can be something that that they find to be like, "What? What's happening here?" But yeah, don't go crazy. Don't drive yourself crazy in Chapel Perilous. No, everybody, Chapel Perilous. Some sometimes it's you know it's necessary, I guess. And and sometimes it's just one of those things that happens. Yeah, there was two atoms for a minute. Yeah, there were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my, that's my that's my that's my Vardogar or whatever. <laughs> Vardogar. Vardogar. Yeah. Why well, is there is is there a metal band called that? I don't think so. There should be. It probably should be. You're right. <laughs> Look it up in the in What is it? The metal heavy metal encyclopedia. <laughs> encyclopedia Metallium. Metallium. There's got to be. It is I not mean, phone friendly. If not, snatch it up immediately, somebody. Or just make a logo for it. 
Yeah, yeah, just make a logo for before, it. Uh, b- before we started, uh, Aaron, we were talking about some of your recent paranormal travels. I know you're, you've been doing like some some vlogs and and taking Saucer Life on the road. You want to share any of those with us? Yeah, I, um, I, I, I set out to do like a, a little history road trip. I tried to do every year and I went to um, the uh, Hopewell Mound area in central south central ohio because i'd never been there i still haven't been to the great serpent mound i keep missing when it's open um because it doesn't open till 8 a.m or 10 a.m which is stupid but i realized i was only like an hour and a half from point pleasant so i decided to go to point pleasant because hey mothman right and i'd I'd been there a few times before but i'd never been to the museum so i was able to go to the museum which was uh, which was kind of neat i was uh i was for a paranormal museum i was i was impressed it was more museum-y than you know roadside attraction-y, you know? So um, actually, I'm, I'm the episode of The Saucer Life that is coming out next, I'm, I'm sort of hitting pause on what I was going to do, and it's a, a Point Pleasant episode um, about the trip. So I- including a strange experience I had. Um, you know, Sarai was talking about strange experiences. I had a very strange experience driving through the TNT area. I went to look at some bunkers and stuff, and I'm driving down this sort of one-lane gravel track that's back there and there is i'm not making any of this up guys there is a black cadillac in front of me (laughs) and it turns off pulls off to the side to let me go past and so i do and um so it's behind me so then i sort of turn off and let it go past me because i don't trust them right um so they're in front of me and they're about 20 30 feet in front of me they go over a little rise and then around a corner and then i go around the rise over the rise and around the corner and they're not there anymore. And I didn't see anywhere they could have turned off. I, I didn't see, I mean, then, you know, there, there's no way, you know, giant old Cadillac it wasn't old, but you know, big Cadillac, no way on that loose gravel. It was going to, you know, accelerate out of sight quickly. Um, so in, in the episode that's coming out, I have the audio from some little video messages I sent to some people like within minutes of this happening where I sort of, go through what it was. It was, it was weird. I, I, you know, odds are it turned off somewhere and I just didn't see, I mean, that's probably what happened, but if it hadn't been a black Cadillac in point pleasant, you know, I would be like, Oh, this is nothing. Yeah. But it was, it was a black Cadillac in point pleasant, but what's a black Cadillac doing there. You, right. Well, if you drive all the way through the TNT area, this wildlife area, there are houses on the far side of it and people drive through there. I know that from the last time I was there. So it could have just been some old people, you know, um, in a Cadillac drive. But why would you take a Cadillac? Through? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But it was weird. But it was a fun trip. Did you did you get a look at them? Maybe they didn't have a face. Well, yeah, right. uh, okay. So here's the thing. I was trying to, I when they drove by me, when I, when I sort of pulled off, I looked through the side window and I could see that there were people in the car, but I couldn't discern what they actually looked like. That, that's a real thing, man. I, I, I was just like, I don't, I don't know what they look like. And that's another recording I sent to a friend. I was like, I told her, I was like, ah, this is weird. Um, my, my wife's point of view is that, you know, if you're like behind them, they're probably like these old ladies who you can't see over the back of the seat driving their Cadillac because that's you know sort of the Cadillac stereotype. But um, I don't know. It was weird. It was, it was just, I don't yeah. think it was, I didn't feel freaked out until I thought about it a little bit. Mostly I was just like, well, where'd they go? That's weird. And then later I was like, oh man, there's nowhere they could have gone. Um, I don't think I didn't see it. I was, I don't know. I don't know. Weird stuff, but uh, 
kind of neat to have weird stuff happen once in a while. What general year do you think the car might have been? It was like a '90s one. It, it mm. wasn't like a. It wasn't like a, a, a vintage Cadillac. It wasn't from 1967. Okay. <laughs> or, 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 I know. I was like, oh, wow. This old black Cadillac from the 60s. Um, and the guys behind it were wearing dark hats. And um, no, it was, it, it was just, uh, and the license plate didn't look like an old timey license plate. I, you know, sure. it, 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 I didn't examine it closely, but um, I don't have any way to run the plates, although that would be pretty cool. But um, would it be almost like X Files era? Yeah, you know, who Danny, that was the guy Mulder always like, Danny, I need you. To, who, I don't know who Danny was, but for <laughs> nine years, he ran license plates for, for Mulder and whoever. But um, I, and I can't remember if you actually saw Danny in any episodes, but uh, yeah, it, weird stuff, but a, a good trip. And um, Point Pleasant is, uh, I'm not sure what would be going on in that town if it wasn't for Mothman. You know, it, it's, it's like the, the people who run the museum also run two other stores in town. Um, right. that, that sell like pop culture stuff. And, uh, there's the, the point pleasant trading company, which is sort of tourist stuff. Um, and other stuff downtown, I mean, a lot of it wasn't open. Um, well, there's that, that hotel is supposedly haunted. I know that right. hotel or whatever. Yeah. And, um, there's a, there's a point pleasant sort of artist co-op selling really cool stuff, but they were closed every day. I was there, which is unhelpful, but, um, you know, it, it's it, it, it's a little town in West Virginia on the Ohio River. There's not going to be a lot going on, you know, you besides, know that, yeah. That That is the exact type of experience I would expect you to have because <laughs> of the stuff you're into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's so much the sort of thing I always sort of wondered, you know, about that that makes me suspect it more, you know, it's, it's a, why couldn't I just see like a ghost or something? Cause it'd be like, Oh wow, a ghost. But no, this is something that like, you know, dare I say was custom designed for me. Right. Um, which, you know, is uh, sometimes how it seems to work, but, um, yeah, I, uh, it's funny. My wife's perspective on it is exactly how I feel about contactees. It's fairly clear that you believe something happened to you. You know, so it's, it's like, yep, yep. That's I'll take it. You know, that's a, that's a, I don't expect anybody to think it's weird. It's, it's weird, but it's not unexplainable. I just don't happen to know how to explain it. Very yeah, interesting. And the bunkers, I did watch your little video about that. The bunkers are, they're pretty overgrown. looks like they are. It's really hard to see them sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, especially this yeah. time of year. Um, this time, especially as hot and as humid as it's been, everything's just growing all over the place. And um, yeah, if, if it wasn't for the fact that like the, the trail sort of has a little turn off that you can see, you wouldn't you wouldn't know they were there. Sometimes um, it, it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of last time I went, I had a friend with me, and it was more comfortable going into the bunkers when you've got somebody with you um, because they're. <laughs> They're kind of weird. Um, one time I was there and uh, somebody in town told me that I need to be careful, not because of Mothman, but because of all the junkies who hang out in the bunkers Ooh, sometimes right, um, who, who right, can be right. kind of yeah. kind of touchy. Um, the junkies are touchy, they say. But um, <laughs> I, I didn't have any issues. The weird thing is you can hear the echo from inside the bunker, like 15 feet back from the door. It, it's <laughs> it's re- the acoustics are are really amazing. So, um, yeah, good trip. I urge anybody who's in the area 
or close by, check it out. I mean, I'm only like five and a half hours away, which is weird. You think about Michigan and West Virginia seem like they yeah, should be further right. apart than that, but they're not. You just drive diagonally across Ohio, which is its own kind of hell. Yeah, and it's right. It's right. <laughs> it's right on the river too. It's like right there on the Ohio River. So like Ohio is literally right across. So yeah, I could totally see how that it wouldn't be that that bad of a drive. Uh, there's a similar area in Chattanooga where I'm from. There's a similar area that um, has uh, those type of bunkers in it because it used to be like an ordnance works, and now it's like opened up to like Volkswagen is there and all that type of place. But but you can go and you can see these bunkers in there. They're really well preserved, but they were used more recently, like probably like about in like the nineties. So, um, but it does give you a, give you a weird sense of being in one, in one of those places. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's eerie. Also, uh, there is a band called Vardoga. (laughs) They are a Christian extreme metal band from Norway formed in 1994. Christian extreme metal. Huh? Yes. Okay. They've got quite the fight in Norway, then. It's like Amy Grant, but louder. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the nine. Okay. Um, mm. Aaron, you did a show about this on Saucer Life, all about the nine. And, yeah. Uh, Chris was on the farm recently with Recluse talking about the nine. And uh, Soraya says he knows nothing about the nine. So this will be a learning experience. <laughs> I know very little about it other than the, kind of like the basic story. And like you were saying, Adam, people always just kind of like refer to it offhand. But a lot of people are like, what the hell is the nine? Yeah, I did want to point out something, though, um, that it's really found its way into popular culture. I think a lot of it is because of the Gene Roddenberry connection. Oh. And... Yeah, but there's Aaron's a movie, got some truth about that. <laughs> there's a movie from the late. I think it came out in 2009 called "I Am Number Four. Have any of you guys ever seen that movie? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm and with that. he's like a teenager, and he f- finds out that he's actually an alien. And then there's this other girl that's with him, helping him out or whatever. And like he asks, like he's number four, and he at the end of the movie he asks her, like, "How many of us are there?" And she says, "There are nine of us." So like it's it has found its way somewhat into popular culture. Well, there are I mean there are some uh you know historical uh precedents for it. Uh the nine unknown men. Um I mean there's a, there's a precedent in uh Hindu um uh folklore and then there's was it am I um uh thinking and then there was one later was there a piece of literature from the 1800s that included uh nine the nine principles. I can't remember. Cause yeah, I have that there, there, there was, there was some sort of like pulp novel sort of yes. thing. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm completely forgetting what that was. Um, but there is a little bit of a precedent for that. Uh, I mean, I guess if you want to, you know, uh, jump into it. Th- so the reason why I ended up becoming a little bit of a, you know, um, armchair expert on the nine was, uh, again, has to do with, um, uh, I was brought up in my household. My parents followed this Indian mystic, uh, Meher Baba. And so there's a lot of stuff that I was exposed to, not bad stuff, but just a lot of um, uh, uh, a culture that I was exposed to and esoterics as a kid. And, you know, as an adult, 
sort of coming back to it as like, you know, in a secular way, uh, I started looking into seeing what connections um, there were to all of, uh, you know, occult history, which I was also interested in um, uh, with the history of this mystic Meher Bob. And there's actually quite a bit. Um, uh, but in particular, um, uh, the channeler, uh, Dr. Vinod, who uh, was um, an individual that uh, Andreas Puharik met. Uh, and I guess we could we, we can go and talk about Andreas Puharik and who he is after this. But there's this individual uh, named D.G. Vinod, who was uh, Dr. Vinod, who uh, met Puharik at, I believe it was Eileen Garrett's party. Um, uh, this is according to uh, the book uh, Yuri by Andreas Puharik. Um, uh, and Vinod met uh, Puharik in New York in December uh, of 1951 at this party, uh, and they, you know, schmoozing. This is like upper crust people. I think uh, Frances Payne Bolton was there, who was uh, uh, she was part of this whole you know circle of uh, very rich people that were involved in a lot of the research happening uh, that Andreas Puharik was doing. So uh, he met Vinod there. Uh, who is uh, apparently a professor of philosophy uh, and psychology at a university in Pune. Uh, I have not been able to confirm that, but uh, it's funny that Vinod, I guess, was making the rounds during this time because he also met Meher Baba in 1952 um, a, when Meher Baba was in New York making this visit, uh, and they met through these um, two people, uh, Fred and Ella Winterfelt, who uh, were kind of on the scene between the West Coast and New York in the occult world. Uh, and people who are very familiar with that might know of their names. Um, but it's, it's funny because uh, Vinod met with Meher Baba and they had this exchange, uh, the exchange being obviously strange because if people don't know Meher Baba uh, was silent. He never spoke. He stopped speaking in 1925. So he used either an alphabet board or he had the sign language, uh, but he spoke through interpreters and he told uh, Vinod, this was in May of 1952, that, um, uh, and this is documented in these books that are uh, uh, document Meher Baba's life from a lot of the Westerners that were accompanying him. And I guess he told Vinod these certain instructions for meditation, and he told him to do it every night at midnight. Um, and I don't know if this has anything to do with what ended up happening later, which was um, uh, when uh, Puharik took Vinod to the uh, round table, I believe it was called the round table at that time, um, uh, which was his um, uh, foundation uh, in December of 1952. Uh, he was just it was just Puharik and the lab administrator, Hank Jackson. Uh, and um, they and this is in February 16th of 1952. Uh, basically, uh, Vinod started um, uh, channeling these uh, entities at this laboratory, um, uh, you know, in New England. Um, these entities called the nine. Uh, and if you want, I don't have any of this stuff memorized in terms of like what the uh what specifically they said, you should listen to um, uh, the Saucer Life episode of the nine, do an excellent job of, uh, uh, you know, um, doing dramatic readings of those, uh, the wonderful channeled uh, material. But uh, as we were talking about before, it's kind of this boilerplate like contactee stuff. And then later on, what ended up happening is um, 
uh, uh, Vinod did this again. Uh, but this time there was a bunch of rich people uh, who were having their sort of, you know, seance there with uh, Andreas Buharik. Um, and a lot of people have talked about the fact that some of these people being like, uh, you know, um, the guy who founded Bell Helicopter and, uh, you know, an Aster. So a lot of this, you know, moneyed people uh, who have influence uh, uh, were part of this. And so there's this idea that, you know, they're somehow being influenced by yeah. these nine entities, so on and so forth. Insert conspiracy. conspiracy. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what Sinister Forces is about, really. Yeah. But the one thing that I, I do have to add to it is really kind of where Vinod came from, because I think it's interesting and I don't think people talk about it enough. Like if Vinod was the first person to talk about the nine specifically, you know, um, be it real channeling or, you know, um, a, a psyop that uh, Puharik was doing through Artichoke or MK Ultra doesn't really matter. Like it started there. And it's interesting because, you know, Vinod ended up going on to be like, um, kind of like a, a, you know, dime store guru in India. Um, uh, and you can look like there's a, you know, they have a, a, a website on him and stuff like that. And apparently he was, you know, hanging out with a bunch of other people, um, uh, like, uh, where he claims that, you know, um, uh, he met, uh, gosh, who was it like, well, he came he met like Einstein and, uh, was involved in, um, like with stuff in doc in, a, um, uh, Carl Jung's laboratory. Um, and you know, uh, gosh, who else did he say? Like, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Einfried Pfeiffer, who was a, a protege of, uh, uh, Rudolf Steiner. Apparently he worked with him. So, um, you know, one of the things that I've tried to do is look a little bit into Vinod and I, I'd love to know more about him because I think, you know, he's one of the people, you know, we talk about Phyllis Schlummer and all these other people who ended up channeling, but Vinod kind of was there and then disappeared. Yeah. yeah and, and also back in the the fifties, one of the things that I didn't realize when I did my episode about this years ago, uh, Charles and, um, Lillian, I think that was his name, his wife's name, uh, Lothhead, um, who were involved with the whole um, uh, when prophecy fails thing. Yes. The whole the um, the woman near Chicago who said there's a big disaster coming and the aliens are going to protect us, and then they didn't. Then the Lothheads teamed up with um, George Hunt Williamson yeah. and uh, moved out to Arizona uh, to uh, to hang out with him and we're in South America with him and at the his monastery of the seven rays or whatever mm-hmm. that was down there and and um, Williamson's career is mixed up with all sorts of interesting people I'm finally going to get around to do a um, doing a William Dudley Pelly episode oh, at oh, some at right. some yes. point down the road I just need to reread the biography of him um, but uh, they channeled the nine as well they received one of their people received a message from the nine and they hadn't heard about anything that vinod had done they didn't know about any of this but they knew puharik so they contacted puharik and said hey somebody said you know they had this message and that Mm. that it's the same people who talked to v or vinod and it it, which is just if you know it incredible if true you know it's one oh, of those absolutely. things. Um, then in the 1970s, you know, Paharik is, is doing all his stuff with, um, with, with Yuri Geller and, and, and sort of making a name for himself and doing all sorts of other scientific things and working for the government and, and, and doing, you know, shady stuff probably. But um, 
in the seventies, he hooks up with some other people in, you know, they're in Austin, New York, the, the lab nine. And he hooks up with a guy named Sir John Whitmore, an English guy who was sort of, I sort of see him as sort of a promoter of psychic. Yeah. He'd like he, he was a race car driver at one point. I think. Really? Oh, he was wow. like a he was like a aristocratic race car driver at one point. So you know, oh that's awesome. Beat money to blow on. I, lo- uh, I love that. Florida I, psychics. <laughs> hashtag goals. Um, it's just like collecting pet psychics and, and driving a race car. Um, and so Buhara cooks up with Whitmore, and then there's this woman named Phyllis Schlemmer who was a psychic medium who was just like doing like psychic shows and and things around i think down south um in the south and she had a young man named bobby who was he's she was sort of training him as a psychic healer of some kind and they come up to lab nine to work with puharik and bobby starts channeling the nine in i think 1974 or 73 74 something like that but bobby starts to get freaked out and long story short, the nine basically declare Bobby to be, you know, unsuitable, an unsuitable conduit for their message to, to what you might ask. Well, why did you pick him? You know, if, if you're so if you're basically the Egyptian gods, uh, spoiler, they're basically the Egyptian gods. Um, <laughs> why? Why pick a, a, a kid who who can't who can't cut it? And the horrible thing that gets sort of you know left to the side is that, you know, Bobby, he's channeling the nine. He's trying to share these messages and he's he's basically having a nervous breakdown while this is going on he's suicidal at one point and they sort of just like say oh we're done with you you know you know have a good life kid and now phyllis schlemmer is channeling the nine and she will be channeling the nine into the 1990s and until her death i think although puharik has has sort of bailed at this point gone on to to do other things but i think he ended up in mexico or something like that yeah i feel like he and he was he at one point during the end of what was happening in austin at lab nine which i believe in like either 77 or 78 there was like a fire which might have been arson um uh the mysterious events and lab nine you know disbanded or partially burnt down and he's uh, puharik said that the cia was after him and he ran away to mexico which okay you know yeah make of that what you will maybe uh what what i find interesting is that uh we mentioned gene roddenberry before but but puharik and the nine are very keen to get their message out to as many people as possible and so Unlike a George Van Tassel or a George Adamski or any of these guys who'd be like, well, um, I'm channeling the stuff, so I'm going to write it down and, and sort of sell a book out of the trunk of my car at UFO shows. They hire a writer named Stuart Holroyd, who'd, who'd written books about psychic stuff and, and was a, a well-regarded writer of nonfiction things over in Britain to write a book. And it, it was published in the UK and it was published in the US in like a mass market paperback sort of thing. So not you know, not a, you know, difficult to find book. And it's, it was called uh, briefing for the landing on planet earth, because the goal was to prepare humanity for the arrival of the nine. And when you read this book, there's all this channel stuff from Tom, who is also called Atum, the Egyptian God. Um, but Tom sounds friendlier. And, um, you know, it, it's it, when you read it, 
it's sort of, it, it reads like a lot of other contactee stuff, but there's also, because it's like 1976 or whatever, there's a whole lot of ancient aliens type of stuff in here. Mm, so okay. humanity was seeded by various alien races. The, the Atlans were in Atlantis, which was destroyed in a cataclysm because they were spending, I'm not making this up, spending their time exchanging their, their organs. And it doesn't say which, which organs, but I, I have my suspicions, you know, you, you had the technology to replace organs. So they just did that all the time. It's like, that's weird, but they were ignoring warning, ignoring warning signs and Atlantis blows up and, and disappears, but the survivors, you know, become the Egyptians or whatever. Um, and when you look at the, and when I, the next episode where I'm going to talk about the nine, there's a book called the Stargate conspiracy that goes into this a lot. And what I realized reading that stuff, and I sort of put it all together in my head eventually was that a lot of the Atlantis, almost all the Atlantis stuff that the nine comes up with, it's basically Edgar Casey. It's, it's a lot of Edgar Casey. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's Edgar Casey stuff. It's, you know, you know, which means Edgar Casey was right because he <laughs> nine told the same story, right? Um, and then King Missile released the song "Detachable Penis" in the nineteen. Yes, yes, comes full circle. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Th- thank you for the King Missile reference. Sorry, that's there, a deep uh, cut for anybody yeah, that, that was around. That is a deep cut. Great song, Super yes. Mystical. They're bigger songs. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the 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 Atlans become the Egyptians previously, the, the Atlanteans and the, the Hoover people become the Hebrews and Hoover, Hoover, (laughs) like, like, like you're, like you're saying Hoover, but you're from Boston, Jagger Hoover. Um, and the thing is, this is, this is, it's, it's, it's weird because sometimes it's all weird. (laughs) It's all weird. Yeah. But this is, this is particularly weird to me. Sometimes in, contact ebooks and, and UFO books, you, you get a healthy dose of anti-Semitism. I mean, it, it's, oh, yeah. it's just all roads lead to anti-Semitism. All, all roads lead, except this one. This one leads to hardcore Zionist nationalism oh, <laughs> because, yeah, because you know, being the, the seed of the Hoover people, the, right. the, the nation state of Israel is the most important one on earth and, and will be the, the salvation of, uh, of humanity. And so Puharik and his, uh, his team are sent to Israel in the seventies to carry out assignments for the nine, which, which sound like they just consist of standing around and, and focusing, I'm doing air quotes, focusing their energy um, on things that the nine tells them to focus their energy on to prevent the outbreak of even greater wars than were already breaking out in the Middle East in the 1970s. Um, but it, which, so that the, the, the sort of Israeli nationalism aspect of it sort of, sort of struck me as uh, struck me as a, a little a little odd, but well, this is um, after Geller's involvement, right? right. This is after. Yeah. Right. And I mean, like from a, the, the conspiracy side of conspiranormal, it seems very, very, um, it seems obvious to me that like there is, there is some Mossad, you know, oh, yeah. uh, alphabet uh, agency stuff going on and that Geller was part of that. I mean, if, if anything would, you know, pr- should prove that for you watch for free on YouTube 
the documentary Third Eye Spies, there's a point when it's about Russell Targ and it's about the um, the the Stargate program, remote viewing. There's one point where Russell Targ goes to interview Yuri Geller about this, and he says something to Yuri about, well, don't you think that, you know, maybe the CIA was using remote viewing for, you know, assassinations? And Geller puts his hand on Targ's shoulder and says very seriously, Russell, Russell, you don't, the CIA is not in the business of killing people. They would never do that. Uh, which, if anything, proves to you that Geller was a CIA asset or they have compromise on him. You know, that's yeah. it right there. Did, uh, did, um, do we know that if Geller had any kind of connections to the Mossad? It's spec. I, I, I do not have a I'm sure recluse uh, would say it's source, but yeah, I think recluse would say it was confirmed. Um, uh, it certainly has been quite a bit of speculation on that. Because one of, one, one of the things that, that Israel does and the Mossad does is that they, they do this thing called Hasbara, where they basically it's a promotion of state of Israel and Zionism. And wherever that, that promotion may lead to, I just wonder if whether or not somehow that element got into that and that's it started coming out that way in the channeling. Was Puharch? I don't think Baharich was Jewish, though. I don't. I don't think he's I, Croatian, right? Yeah, he's Croatian, which I mean, you, you could be Croatian yeah, could be and, and, and Jewish. Jewish. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I wondered, but I couldn't. I didn't really see anything. I didn't look super deeply, but I didn't see anything yeah. that that made yeah. me think he was. Well, you know, um, just as an aside, Velikovsky's material is Velikovsky was actually I don't know if accused is the right word, but. A lot of people look at his material and say that he was really pro-Zionist and because a lot of what he was trying to do was to prove the stories in the Bible and that he came at he came at it from a Zionist from a Zionist point of view. I don't know if that that really makes him Zionist. He used the Bible as one of the things that he looked into when doing his uh, mapping of, you know, Venus's history. Yeah, that's just one of the criticisms of Velikovsky. Yeah, well, people will irrationally criticize Velikovsky because that's what you're supposed to do. So, sounds like we have a catastrophist on the line. <laughs> Wasn't it? Hasn't Larry Scranton basically, you know, uh, uh, he's done some pretty pretty good yes. uh, uh, Velikovsky um, apolo- apologist research recently? And it wasn't. It wasn't even apologist research. Yeah. That was- the thing about it he just took the modern science and looked at what velikovsky said and found that velikovsky has yet to be wrong about anything and science back in the 50s was pretty much wrong about everything yeah well the electric universe stuff supports a lot of velikovsky well that's partially where it came from yep i I don't know about venus being a comet i i don't there is there is a lot of evidence for venus being a comet including the fact (laughs) that it still has a cometary tail yeah. Well, or- Orthon didn't say anything about that when he talked to Adam. Still, so, <laughs> I'm shocked. I I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, there we so go. I mean, should that, come that, up. That clinches it right there. Yeah. That's who would know better than Venusians. That's right. Well, one more did, it, 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 for one more thing for the uh, uh, the the nine wasn't at didn't at one point uh, weren't the nine being channeled through Jenny O'Connell at Esalen in the seventies. Oh. Or am I inc- like this? This is something that like I have this fact in my brain and I don't know where I read it or where it's coming out. But I believe through Whitmore, 
um uh jenny o'connell who if anybody knows some of the you know folks that were around in like the 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 esalen you know the the heyday of esalen um, that that yeah. sounds right yeah. it's like one of those things like yeah i i i right. believe i've seen that somewhere before right. Yeah. right yeah so if we're just shooting the shit here i'm gonna uh put that out there as uh something that might be that might be <laughs> another uh weird tentacle of the nine yeah. One of the things I, mean, I, I mentioned that that they liked getting the word out there. Um, I, I don't know if the the book by Holroyd hadn't come out yet or it was still in production, but they they contacted Gene Roddenberry uh, of Star Trek fame to write a screenplay for a movie about the Nine. And like like we said earlier, a lot has been made of this. The Ancient Aliens episode about the Nine basically lied about this and said it, it was the inspiration for Star Trek. I know it's shocking. Um, it's the inspiration for Star Trek, even though it happened after Star Trek had you know, stopped. Um, well, it was the inspiration for Star Trek, the motion picture. No, an, an old Star Trek episode was the inspiration for Star Trek, the motion picture. Um, they, they don't even get their Star Trek geekery right. Man. No, they, 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 they don't, don't even un- they don't even understand the canon. Like, it it sucks, man. So Roddenberry needed money. And um, they were going to pay him money. So he goes and he, he actually participates in some of the channeling sessions, asks some questions, gets some answers. He's pretty agnostic about the whole thing. He's he like $20,000. He's yeah, 20, right? 20, 25, like, or else he yeah. was going to lose his house. And they paid him that. He's like, great. Um, so he writes the script and the script is basically, it would have been a movie about a writer who's hired to write a script about an organization just like the nine he's it's it meanwhile it's all he's also cheating on his wife and he's you know you know got all these marital problems and he's having this midlife crisis and he was the creator of a popular but canceled science fiction show but he hates the fans because they won't leave him alone it's just like this gene roddenberry midlife crisis nonsense um but they was paid him cheating on Rachel Barrett? all the time with everyone um yeah yeah um not yeah it, it's it's skeezy. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Roddenberry because all the good stuff in Star Trek was from DC Montana, Fontana and Gene Kuhn anyway. So, um, but then, you know, he, you know, so his involvement with the nine was, was, you know, it was there, but the sort of evidence that influenced even later Star Trek, like next generation, it, it really doesn't hold up when you look at how little after the first year Roddenberry had to do with the day to day running of next generation and you know the the nine book of channeling stuff from the 90s was called or the late 80s is called like essential briefings from deep space and oh my gosh deep space nine well deep space is just a phrase i mean it, it's come on there was a character called vinod in one episode which is like oh, the most shit. direct connection i i could see but well aaron could could rick bourbon and those guys been influenced by some of that stuff. I mean, if they're, I don't know if there's like, if, yeah, if that's what I wonder if they're, yeah. in L, if they're in LA, it's all a Southern California thing. Yeah. I, or if, or even if like the nine gets into the zeitgeist and that's how you end up, because I do think in deep space nine beyond the, the character of Inod, there's, you know, uh, essentially like the nine discarnate entities from the wormhole, you know, um, uh, yeah. that are ch- be channeled and, you know, speaking through the Bajorans. Yeah. And, and I think it's, and again, not saying that like, it's the nine to Roddenberry to this, but more like, okay, so the nine got into the sci-fi, you know, weird yeah. zeitgeist. Yeah. Or, and- or, 
or just that branch of spiritualism got into and i think that's more likely than the nine specifically but yeah deep space nine more than any other star trek was was much more much more open to that sort of stuff and and that's one of the reasons roddenberry hated the concept and and that's the thing he He hated it and and um that's if he even knew what it was because mentally he was so gone by that point that it's i mean berman claims up one side and down the other we told paramount wanted a new show we came up with this we told gene gene was like sounds good gene's assistant susan sackett said oh gene hated it he hated it but <laughs> she lies about a lot of stuff um but uh, to protect roddenberry she, she her job is to protect roddenberry's reputation that's you know so this I, i've gone off on a star trek tangent here but um yeah it's a it the nine stuff is is interesting and it has seeped in to the culture i mentioned that book the stargate conspiracy from like 98 99 that sort of ties it into the um the sort of graham hancock new egyptology and uh some millennial stuff and uh richard hoagland and the the, the mars egypt connection thing um it's a book that's really dated once you read it it's like oh this is this is the most late 90s book you can imagine but yeah i have that book yeah it's i read it in like 2004 yeah also uh paramount wanted a sci-fi show and uh they turned down babylon 5 right and then went with deep space 9 which was virtually a uh the same idea and of course because star trek was an established franchise and the series actually started before the series of babylon 5 everyone thinks babylon 5 was a ripoff of star trek right but he had been shopping that script around for a long time, since the late 80s. I'm talking about Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. Like, he had been shopping that pilot around for a good long time. And that's why he thinks that it's just kind of like the, the guy that came up with the intermittent windshield wipers. That, like, at some point, somebody saw the script, and it was in their mind, and they came up with it. I think that that's probably what happened. Yeah, that that's something that they think is what uh, might have happened was that some some people had seen had seen the script like in 1988 or whatever. And by the time 1993 rolled around, it was just kind of like in their minds, and they came up with it with that idea. Yeah, and and uh, also, I mean, it was it was it was probably in their heads. You know, they you know got a bunch of studio people who see lots of things, so it was probably in their heads. And also. Deep Space Nine was going to be running at the same time as Next Generation, so you can't do a ship show. So if you can't do a ship show, the options are a planet or a space station. Mm -hmm. And space station. So between Babylon 5 sort of, you know, being in circulation for like probably three or four years at that point, by the time it started developing Deep Space Nine, and we need to do Star Trek, but not on a ship. Yeah, it's I mean, this is, this is what they were going to come up with no matter no matter what mm-hmm. yeah. true, true. but there's but there's a lot there is a lot of of overlap with um with babylon 5 i like deep space 9 better but um yeah I, there, there's there's no denying the 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 similarities babylon 5 is one of my favorite shows of all time may is mental health awareness month and talkspace the leading virtual therapy provider is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online and you'll be matched with a therapist. 
And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deep Space, no- Deep Space Nine was great, but it really kind of gave rise to Battlestar to the redone Battlestar Galactica, which is one of the best TV shows. In my I opinion. I love it. I, I, yeah, I love that either. I actually stopped Star Trek Deep Space Nine is the one Star Trek series I never finished. Ah, uh, that's Voyager for me. I I despise Voyager. Yes. Yeah, I was fine with all the other ones. It was just Deep Space, Nine. and I loved the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, but halfway through that lost me too. I did finish it, but I kind of hated it from the halfway point to the end. We're going to have a fight, sir. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I, I liked Battlestar all the I, way through, but I don't pretend to understand it. And if somebody says what happened, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. It makes no sense. No, but I just, I just love, I just love watching Edward James almost act. You know, it's like, yeah, watch him all day. Aaron, does that Gene Roddenberry script exist somewhere? It does exist somewhere. I've never seen a copy of it. Um, Mm. But the guy who wrote the one honest biography of of, of Roddenberry had access to a lot of uh, a lot of his papers and stuff. And uh, I shouldn't say honest, the non hagiographical (laughs) biography of um of Roddenberry had access to it. And I, I think it's probably, it's probably one of those things you could have bought in a dealer room at a convention back in like 1987 or something like that, like some sort of surreptitious photocopy. Um, his assistant, John Povel was supposed to be, he actually got to do the rewrite or was asked to do the rewrite and he was going to produce it. I think at some point in like the early two thousands, he's t- talking about, he was going to get this nine script produced. Um, but I don't think it ever happened. Before we leave the the nine alone, I just I want to kind of get back into why it's been such a focal point of so much conspiracy theory and like besides the Israeli stuff we talked about, like what other utility does it have in some kind of political conspiracy? As for the the conspiracy stuff, I think part of it is uh, as as uh, as Chris mentioned before, there's a lot of a lot of powerful people and influential people in industry and and, and government sort of on the fringes of this. Um, so the possible supernatural influence on the elite. Right. And that Stargate conspiracy book, uh, uh, Picknett and Prince sort of go into that angle somewhat ludicrously at some points. Um, they, they talk about one of the people involved was, or who had an, a supposed interest in the Egypt stuff and possibly Richard Hoagland stuff. You know, there was some congressman who was on the 
committee that oversaw NASA. So mm. he clearly, this was clear. The fix was in clearly that this guy who was a Hoagland fan was on this committee. Um, Senator Claiborne Pell was supposedly um, interested in it as well. And she draws a link. Uh, he and she draw a link between Claiborne Pell and Al Gore because Al Gore was an environmentalist, which is also sometimes associated with the new age. And Pell and Gore were both Democrats. Could oh. the influence of the nine be at the very doorstep of the White House? Right. It's like, no, no. Claiborne Pell did the Pell Grant. Nobody else cares about yeah. anything else he did. You know, he's Claiborne Pell. But um, it, it, but yeah, so so there, there's this sort of sense that that influential people have been influenced or are devotees of this line of thinking and, and these right. efforts. And so they will implement policies to push whatever agenda might be in the shadows into um, into operation. I, yes. I think it could be a fun game to have give Aaron two completely disconnected topics and see how quickly he can turn them into a conspiracy. <laughs> About 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with Geller, too, is that he never was actually or specifically um, like who he ended up saying he was being controlled and channeling was an entity called Spectrum, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so it was he was never specific to the nine. I think it's another one of these circumstances where you have these overlapping. It's a giant Venn diagram here. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, personally, I've never beyond what I think Aaron, you know, uh, just said about why there would be a conspiracy around it. I think it's been perpetuated by, you know, uh, yeah, the Stargate book and uh, Lavenda. And, you know, I mean, we've all talked about how suspicious Lavenda is, you know, and why he would be doing something. So I don't know. Is it one of those things where it's like, you know, disinfo that's out there or is it a juicy story that somebody can make a buck off of as they keep on perpetuating it? But I think those two books have been the biggest, you know, sort of uh, uh, I guess they've contributed the most to it being sort of a uh, political or a, you know, a, a, a world worldwide conspiracy, you know, control conspiracy. Does Lavenda have connections beyond the just I want to make money? Does he have political uh, things going on? Lavenda, he's on Gaia TV, right? Yeah. That's making money. So it was it was more the idea that like uh, some people I think speculate that his involvements with like the wandering bishops and there was this like church that he was you know part of that was essentially kind of a front for a lot of um I don't know if it was FBI or CIA. Uh, but there was just it, it's um so it's a lot of speculation again I, this is not something I am an expert on or I uh, you know the the details of but what I do what I have read and come across is yeah there is you know who he was involved with in the like what was it the late 70s early 80s beyond the occult scene there the idea is essentially that there were government agents that were infiltrating that area there and that he might have somehow gotten involved with that this is like the new york occult scene we got beeps going on back here that's weird that wasn't me wow no. i don't know i don't know what was happening it's the nine it's lavenda yeah it's, it's, so the first that i the first i ever heard of the nine was the stargate conspiracy and then the second book about the nine was the first sinister forces which i've which i've only read the first one and the stargate conspiracy one I mean, it's interesting in, and I mean, I think they may have somewhat of a point 
that it kind of felt like they were that some of the things that the nine were talking about, some of these things about the the foot around the paws of the Sphinx and finding the chamber and all these type of things that um, some of these people like Hoagland and Graham Hancock were motivated by some of the things that were said previously by the nine and they were trying to tie it in. I could probably believe that about Hoagland. I don't know about Hancock. Yeah. I don't see that with Hancock at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you've had them on the show. You've had Lynn Picknett and Clive Prince on. Yes. Have you talked about that at all, about uh, that book? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because uh, I had them on for the most recent book, which was God's Wife or whatever, when God had a wife. Mm, right. The removal of the sacred feminine in, in religious texts over the centuries. Yeah, they're big on the Mary Magdalene stuff. Yeah, and I had just Lynn on talking about her own personal weird experiences. They also had a really good book about one of their first books that was about the Shroud of Turin basically being made by Leonardo da Vinci as this kind of like primitive type of photograph. And I thought that one was, was really fascinating. And then there was the Templar conspiracy that was kind of a follow up to that. And so, I mean, their stuff is, I think pretty interesting. Yeah. They're, they're the ones who ins- basically inspired the, the book that became uh, the movie. The, the, da Vinci code. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. Well, that and Holy Blood, Holy Grail, but <laughs> right. But Holy Blood, Holy Grail took a lot of stuff from them. Yeah, they're actually in the Da Vinci Code. Like, yeah, they got they got a cameo in it. Yeah, yeah. After uh, uh, after after taking part in the um, this is just a little bit of fun facts here. After taking part in the National Treasure uh, film series, Nicolas Cage, using his vast fortune, started on a quest to find the Holy Grail, which ended up leading him to purchase a couple of castles in Europe. That's wild. Like he went deep, like he That's like wild. what we all would do if we had millions of dollars. <laughs> he did that. There were some tax things that happened and he lost the castles. And wow. I think that's why he's doing all these movies now. But this recently came out and I read an article and I was like, damn, well, you know, wow. Yeah. Hey, as long as he keeps doing movies like Mandy and the Colorado space, I'm all for it. And Willie and Willie's Wonderland. Willie's Wonderland. Mom and dad. Uh, there's another one coming out. Chris, did you send me the trailer? The- the new one that's coming out is i think going to be awesome ghosts of something i forget it's like yeah he's like fighting like a alien samurai (laughs) now that's entertainment willie's wonderland was as dumb and ridiculous as i thought it was going to be it did not disappoint no not at all (laughs) in any way it wasn't like other movies of that ilk like it he his character made it so strange Right. And, and he doesn't say a word the entire movie. Totally silent. Didn't want to get us too too much on a Nick Cage, but I, I part of me was actually thinking like, you know, a person that has that m- much money in terms of resources. And, you know, I, I don't know if he's necessarily, uh, you know, he seems like a smart guy. I, I think, you know, he's probably is reading these books that we're talking about and he's saying, okay, well, I'm going to fly there and I'm going to buy this castle there. I'm going to, you know, like uh, Rene, uh, uh, De La Chate- I'm, I'm mispronouncing it. What is it? Rene Del Chateau. Yeah. Rene Del Chateau. Yeah. Rene Del Chateau or whatever. Yeah. But he, he wasn't purchasing that. Uh, and apparently it didn't go anywhere. He said he just like it, it, you know, he's like some, some things they just, you know, keep on spiraling. Well, where where does the um, dinosaur skull fit into that? 
but also Soraya mentioned Color Out of Space. That guy who directed that and was going to direct Island of Dr. Moreau, he actually lives in the south of France, and he's all into the whole Cathar mythology and all that. Yep. And I think the next one's the Dunwich Horror. Is it the same? Is it Richard Stanley? Yeah, Richard Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're doing three, and the second one's supposed to be Dunwich. I'm I'm really hoping the last one's going to be Mountains of Madness. Mm-hmm. They'll have a Lovecraftian thrill thr- trilogy. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Color Out of Space was really good. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I guess we'll start stop talking about Nicolas Cage, baby. Sorry, that was my fault. <laughs> And Star Trek. And Star Trek, we, we yeah. Range about Cage and Roddenberry. normal. <laughs> hey, we could talk about anything. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> also, we challenge Aaron to connect two completely unconnected things and make a conspiracy. <laughs> it, it, it's everything. Everything's connected. Right? <laughs> connect the dots, man. Let's go ahead and just try that one time, Soraya. Give him, give him two. Give me two things. I'll do. I'll start with the X Files and Hulk Hogan. Okay, here's the thing. X Files. We we all know that that Chris Carter had connections in the government to you know get information about the X Files, right? To to get information on procedures and what the government might actually be investigating. We we know that, right? Well, Hulk Hogan. Here's the thing. When Vince McMahon of the WWF went on trial for steroid. Um, distribution back in the uh, the late 80s, early yeah. 90s that time. Hulk Hogan, you know, sort of, you know, he was looking pretty good, right? But then he got, went out of the WWF over to WCW pretty quick after that. Well, here's the thing. Hogan talked to the feds and Hogan gave the feds stuff on McMahon. But the problem is that the people Hogan was talking to were not the steroid people. The people Hogan was talking to were the X-Files people or the not quite X-Files people yet. So what ends up happening is there is a huge confusion in into you know what Hogan is saying about anabolic steroid abuse in professional wrestling and what the FBI people are hearing about, you know, oh, there's a weird chemical that's making people weird and bulgy. And so these stories get transmitted to Chris Carter, which is how we get some of those Monster of the Week episodes on the X-Files. It's all a confusion of Hulk Hogan's you know, informing on Vince McMahon that got routed to the wrong set of FBI agents. And it also explains why the government's case against McMahon was laughably weak and why he walked. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's not, maybe not a conspiracy, but more of a, a bureaucratic screw up, which I think is what a lot of conspiracies end up being. That's amazing, Aaron. Wow. That was Bravo. beautiful. Bravo. Thank you. Tremendous. Thank you. Bravo. Uh, I, I, I'm speechless. <laughs> I, I have to ask you since uh, it's been it's been a little bit. I've, I've get really have been. I think except for the latest Afterlife episode, I'm I'm pretty much caught up with Saucer Life. Um, the whole Sherry Steiner thing was that who it was? Yeah, that that those particular. I think you did one main episode and like a couple of Afterlife episodes on that, and that was somebody you'd actually had some. Um, contact with and you know this it's like a QAnon type of thing it it really is and that story that just broke a couple weeks ago about the dad who killed his kids right. with uh, the spear yeah. fishing gun yeah. Um, yeah. because of the reptilian DNA I was just like well, shit yeah. Sherry Shriner man mm-hmm. from beyond the grave still 
still messing stuff up. But yeah, um, Sherry Schreiner was, this was back in like 2005, 2004, 2005, was um, because of some interactions on a message board, was convinced I was either a demon or a CIA agent or maybe both. And, mm. and she was like, she doxed me. And before that was, you know, what they called it. And I had to tell my wife, yeah, yeah. You know, that crazy woman I've been talking to on the internet and talking about, yeah, yeah. She knows where I live and work and everything. And my wife was not happy. Um, but, uh, and then when the whole <laughs> Sherry Schreiner thing sort of, sort of blew up and there was that murder and everything, I was, I was just like, Oh man. I mean, I knew this was, I knew it was bad. I, I didn't know it would get that bad and i i had no idea people would actually listen to her the way they did and it it it's just it's just in it's it's literally insane and it, it was you know and, and her because her stuff was so stupid just so stupid and derivative and she's you know take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and and oh bible codes well oh you know hebrew no i have a software program it's like idiot um it was just so dumb and other dumb people thought it was smart because she sounded smart to dumb people and they they you know they she convinced them of all these threats and some people acted on them and and a lot of those ideas that she helped promulgate promulgate have have sort of soaked into that you know, into that fabric of that that corner of the conspiracy world, the whole reptilian. I mean, you know, David Icke shares a lot of you know the lion's share of blame for that. But I, I think there's a lot of people who would never read David Icke, who would read somebody like Sherry Schreiner because she speaks in the weird sort of para evangelical language that they're used to hearing, as opposed to David Icke, who sounds like David Icke, mm-hmm. and um. Which nobody should listen to, but uh, <laughs> it, it's 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 just it's it's wild. And between that and the, the the guy killing his kids and and the the murder with the Sherry Shriner people, it's like you know. It, it, I remember when conspiracy theories were way more fun. Than I don't they, I don't know anything about Sherry Shriner. Oh, she um, God, it's it's almost too massive to explain. She, um, she believed she was, um, you know, that there's demonic forces at work disguised as aliens and ascended masters, you know, don't believe the new age alien stuff because you know, it's, it's really a trap um, from Satan. But um, then she sort of wove shape shifting reptilians into it. And she sort of wove um, denouncing anybody she disagreed with uh, via, you know, well, the Bible codes say they're untrustworthy, so don't believe this person. And she really built up a little cult of people who just listened to her pronouncements. She she manufactured little orgone pucks to that she said would destroy the the demon alien motherships and things. So she used orgone. So so it's like, which is not, you know, you don't go down to the local Baptist church and pick up some orgone at the bake sale. You know, th- th- this is. You know, she was just blending all of these weird things that she had very little understanding of and, and sort of making this this stew of dangerous dumbness. And it was it, it's 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 difficult to explain her because she doesn't fit into any mm-hmm. particular category because um, because her her theology was so far outside the lines of, of any sort of orthodox Christianity that it, it's just it's just not, you know, she's it's like, like this syncretic um conspirituality mixed with yeah yeah it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of you know the, the real christianity you know saint paul was you know was 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 a demon i'm like you what now 
Um, it's like, okay, exactly what kind of Christian category do you belong in? That, you know, well, you know, you, 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 I'm, I'm a Christian, but I still obey all the Old Testament feasts, you know, even the ones the Jews don't anymore. You know, it, it's, it, it's very, it's, it's weird. It's sort of this, this sort of Judaic Christ, archaeo Christianity, like, well, we're like the church from the first century. It's like, really? Are yeah, it's 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 steeped in the. Sounds like it comes a little bit from the Hebrew roots movement. Yeah, it, it's a lot of that. A lot of Hebrew roots movement stuff. Um, that that sort of appropriation of of, yeah. of Jewish tradition. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's weird. She was, she's dead now, so I could finally talk about her. That stuff is kind of like a way to like trump everything. Like I'm above everybody because yep. I know the truth. So I get a little bit of this and that. I know the real new age stuff, the real Christianity. Right. It's, it's a form of Gnosticism. It really is. It's the way is the way Dr. Future kind of puts it. Yeah. So yeah. She, it, that's, she that's, went that's, after you, Aaron. Um, yeah, this was back before she was really anybody. Um, I, um, well, I, I kind of poked the bear, right. Um, I was basically, they didn't call it this at the time, but I was shit posting on a forum. <laughs> that, that <laughs> she was on. And, um, and, and and not, you know, in a like, oh, you suck sort of way, but in a, in a sort of like arguing with her sort of way and and sort of talking to people who had been burned by her and were worried about, you know, what her teachings were, were doing, because it was like it was like on a like a, you know, Christian UFO forum and like people who were sort of like very sort of traditional Christians are like, this woman is weird and she's dangerous and it's scary. And so she was like, Oh, you're all against me. I'm going to find out about you guys. And and so it was sort of that sort of thing. So, um, mm. yeah. And it was all, it all started with, um, with, with, you know, same sort of, you know, forum posting and, and sort of arguing about, uh, and with Pam Schufert, who sort of invented the red list and blue list FEMA death camp stuff back in the nineties. So it connected to her. It, I, this is what happens when I did not have full-time employment. This is, <laughs> I am actually uh, Facebook friends with Pam Schufert. Really? And uh, it is, well, I haven't seen her on there very much lately, so maybe they finally got her, but um, she's she's. I mean, it's, it is really entertaining. She also likes to wear, um, like it's. Um, I don't know what it is. It's like made out of a fox or something. It's like this whole like. It's like a Gary Spivey headpiece type thing. <laughs> it's 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 more than that. It's like a whole like you know coat that she wears and. She has like a wolf's head on top of it and something. I mean, it, oh, it looks like really, it looks really cool. Wow. You know? But yeah, she the, I, she first came to attention to me because of the whole um, witches in Asheville thing, which I actually read that read that on the show. Yeah. Yeah, she was she was deep into that thing. Yeah. Um, Not familiar with that either. <laughs> There were witches in Asheville, apparently. Oh, and, yes. and she she was not happy about it. Yeah. Oh, so that was it's literally what it sounds like. Yes, yes. <laughs> so what what did anything come of her going after you, Aaron? No, no. I just I just sort of vanished off that board and hoped she forgot about me, which I think she did. But I did not utter her name on the internet until I knew she was dead. <laughs> so. <laughs> Probably the smartest you. thing to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, you said something, Aaron, that made me think, you know, we're it's kind of a cliche how we're always talking about how conspiracy theory used to be more fun. Um, but 
You know, the more I'm really like digging honestly into the past and especially like the 80s and 90s stuff, I have so much nostalgia for. Like in particular, lately, I discovered the the name and who's behind this like cable access show that I watched in the 90s that I had long forgotten. And the guy's like a real character and uh, he had like a little conspiracy clearinghouse called the Phoenix Foundation and the show was called The Omega Report. But then I uh, found him a few times in the paper because like right after Oklahoma City, like a week after, he uh, has all these militia leaders like come on his program to talk about the conspiracy, you know, like a week after that, of course it wasn't anyone like them and as the government and the, and Arabs were involved, et cetera, all the stuff we've heard before. But like, I wonder if so much of it was that these people we felt were a lot of dangerous people were just like so marginal at the time that it was, it was like, mm-hmm. we didn't really feel threatened by him. But now that we've seen all these conspiracy narratives, like become, um, so mainstream and like in informing policy in the halls of power, it's like a totally different game, but you know, maybe these were like a a period of incubation for all these memes that developed. And maybe, you know, maybe while it was more fun for all of us and we definitely have nostalgia for it, uh, maybe we're a little naive at the time too, though. I I think so. I I, I think so. so, Cause um, yeah, I, I think what, what gets me is, is, is back in the day, even even in the internet era, you had to go looking, right? You, you had to go yeah. and, and into these corners of the internet or on the, the late night public access channel or onto Usenet or something or into the weird bookstore. And you had to you had to find this stuff. And now it's just it's it's hitting people on social media and, and YouTube and, and Facebook, and it's 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 being pushed at people via algorithms and stuff. People who who don't have the context for what this stuff is. Like I see some stuff and it's like, like that's shared by people who I know are not into this. And I'm like, wait, you, you yeah. know what that is, right? You, you know, that the roots of this particular idea you're sharing, like, no, they, they don't. It's something that vaguely sounds like something they think they might agree with. So they, they share it. I'm like, and so it's just inundating people who, um, who, who might not, have the who don't know to engage the kind of critical thinking skills they need to interpret some of these things correctly. I'm not saying they don't have the critical thinking skills, but they don't have them in a social media information processing context. Mm-hmm. That makes, Which that a lot of it has to do with exposure, I think. Yeah. Like a person having like, you know, exposure and experience in their life and in what they've had, you know, available to them, uh, you know, they haven't had the the the, the opportunity um, in some cases, I think. Like maybe we were kind of inoculated back then, you know, with all that stuff. And so now, you know, you see it and it's we're already familiar. Yeah. And and we're familiar with with the ideas and and regardless of what the packaging is, but I, I think there's, I think it's a generational thing too. I think there's a generation of people, boomers, who <laughs> if it looks like news, it must be news. Yeah, yeah. This story is presented in exactly the same visual manner that this story is. Therefore, they are both news. And I trust this page and this page looks just like it. So why don't I just read this and, and think this is a thing and, and repeat this and, and you know 
sort of conspiratorial and, and goofy ideas from across the political spectrum spectrum, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Are, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, um, you know, sometimes there's some ends of the spectrum that are more subject to this, but it, it you know, nobody's really immune right. to it in some ways, but, um, it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you know, we're, we're inundated. I, I think, um, I, I think, you know, it's it's weird and it's different and i i, I do miss stuff you know it, it, even the, the the content of conspiracy theories i miss i miss the goofy holy blood holy grail da vinci code stuff you know that was mm-hmm. fun like old yeah. history conspiracies are fun and they don't necessarily have the kinds of immediate real world implications that some of the conspiracy theories that are more current now have it, they, they have sort of historical you know implications but not you know how i interact with my neighbor implications sometimes yeah and i also I think that that, that people kind of these you know that that it's um in many ways these conspiracy theories i think for some people are uh they are a better reality mm-hmm. than facing up to you know what is the sort of it's boring yet horrible that, you know, late capitalism, um, you know, um, uh, social inequality, you know, uh, breakdown of, you know, um, certain standards that we have going on, or just realizing that your government isn't a perfect machine and that this is a broken system, you know? And I think for some people, boomers included, you know, there is this, like, it's like waking up from a dream and, you know, that can be pretty harsh. And if there's somebody to blame for that, rather than it being everybody's fault, yeah, that's pretty nice. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We we need we need some scapegoats. Yeah. It's yeah. There's there's also the thing that if you don't know enough about a subject, anyone with confidence in a solid presentation can sound convincing. Yep. Mm. Which is why, like, someone new to UFOs can listen to Stephen Greer and be like, <laughs> "Oh no, this guy this guy knows what's going on." Yep. Whereas if you've been studying this stuff for decades, you look at Stephen Greer and be like, "Yeah, he's kind of a used car salesman." Yep. Absolutely. It's same with ancient aliens. You know, you can, you can watch it and be like, Oh, that's interesting. I mean, they got it all wrong, but it was interesting to see that stuff, you know? Yep. They, they, they seem to have a certain amount of authority and a certain amount of gravitas. And that, right. Oh, Paul right. Hellyer was the Canadian minister of defense. Well, we better listen to this guy. No, right. yeah. please, please, please don't because he's dead. But um, Paul Hellyer would come up a lot in, in a lot of my conversations. Yep. And, I would just be like, well, you know, he's really not saying that there's definitive proof. It's just that he's into it. That's it. Yeah. He, there was nothing when he was defense minister, there's nothing about him being defense minister is, was relevant to anything he said about UFOs. It's just like, I believe there are 57 alien species on the earth. Also, I was the Canadian minister of defense <laughs> and like, oh, wow. The Canadian defense <laughs> ministry said there are 50. And so it, it yeah, there we go. We, we connect, uh, yeah. we connect the dots. Well, we were talking about science fiction earlier, too. And, you know, it's like I think a lot of this is about like engaging in imaginal realms. Uh, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I've really learned why I'm so fascinated by this stuff. Uh, A lot of the conspiracy stuff and the nostalgic 80s and 90s stuff, it puts me in kind of a decompressed, altered, imaginative state just listening to some crazy shit from like you say Aaron how you like to listen to like hour of the time in the background to just give some atmosphere you know and like so I'm honest about like I want to go into this weird state and listen to some wacko on shortwave radio like 
But uh, a lot of people aren't honest that that's probably what they're seeking more than anything. Like, are these altered states associative, making associations and patterns and... and uh, it's, it's good exercise for the synapses, right? It's like conspiracy stuff. It's, it's a puzzle. It's, it's, it's a way to do puzzles. I don't like puzzles, but I like conspiracy theories. And I think it, it, it satisfies the same part of the brain sometimes. But people like us had like, we kept a lot of this stuff at a distance and we also looked at it like anthropologically and, you know, we were, we like the stories of the and the characters and their shticks as entertainers also, but all that now just seems seems kind of lost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard to tell people you're into this stuff nowadays. You know, it, it's I'm always very careful to say I, I'm interested in conspiracy culture. You know, it, it's like yeah. I say the like, same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, you got to. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, it's like one of my areas of study is conspiracy culture. Like, yeah. I like conspiracy yeah. theories. You can't say that. You, know. you wrote an excellent book on it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, the thing is though, conspiracies happen all the damn time, but that doesn't mean everything's a conspiracy. And right. there's, there's no discernment there at all. Yeah. Not anymore. If, yeah. if you, if you deny conspiracy a, Oh, so you don't think, you know, the government's up to stuff. Well, yes, I do. I just don't think they're up to this. Um, yeah, it, it's, have you heard of MK Ultra? Yes, I have. That doesn't mean we never went to the moon. Right. You know, it, right. It's, it's, right. You know, it, it's, I, everybody just needs to take like an intro to logic class and yeah, you know, what needs to pass an intro to logic class and, and we'll, we'll be in better shape. And maybe, we maybe. Stop, and people are so set to look at everything in a binary black or white. Yep. Either this or that. I mean, when you look at the paranormal, it's either you believe in aliens in here in spaceships or you don't believe in UFOs. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. but wait. Well, I'll say I'll say this you too, you know, Surfiel's bringing up science fiction. I mean, look at like right now with the whole I'll just say the V word. I won't actually say it. Everything that we have going on with the V word right now, how many people are informed by something like I am legend? Right. I mean, that's a, that's a movie or a book, you know, or a novel, but it's, it has no, no bearing on reality. And it's it was, yeah. Like four movies. Yeah. Right. But, and if you go and look back to where like things like theosophy came from, things like, uh, I was revisiting like Ren's presentation from, from last year's conference where hollow earth ideas came from. All this stuff comes from fiction. Yeah. The Vrills. But then it yeah. develops its own. Uh, you know, universe and people engage in it and it becomes real. And that's kind of what, what we're seeing in this. Well, I've, I've noticed too, that, you know, I've gone back and like, a, basically listen to the Patreon. You'll know that it kind of gone back and looked at a lot of like older paranormal cases. I mean, we talked about the Dybbuk box and basically, you know, the creator of the whole, where the Dybbuk box story comes from, He's come out and said now that it was basically like a creative writing project in real time. Mm -hmm. And so you've also got that going on, too. So now I wonder stuff like the Black Eyed Kids and all this kind of stuff that we've kind of just taken for granted in the paranormal as being quote unquote real. How much of it is a creative writing project or just a pro some somebody's project? Look! Look! Look at look at Slenderman. I was I was just gonna say yeah. Slenderman. That was like one of the first things. But Slenderman, we we've known was fake from the very beginning. Right, and That's yet what people you think. still had real encounters. Yep. Yep. Which which 
says something, I think, deeply about how we interact with our own reality, what we, how we create it to some degree, yeah. or at least yeah. how we identify stuff when we encounter something weird. Maybe people are having Slenderman encounters because they're encountering something weird. Yep. Slenderman's what their brain puts on. Right. It. And that, that ties into a lot of like ideas that I'm trying to really articulate right now about, um, you know, if that's how the universe works or that's how things like magic works, then conspiracy theory itself is operating in those same kind of paradigms, I think. Yep. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, you get back to the idea of, you know, <laughs> I could quote it from two different things, but they're actually both coming from the same place. Uh, there's, you know, David Lynch talking about, you know, who's the dreamer of the dream. Um, uh, uh, if you, you know, like David Lynch or the idea that this is, uh, you know, the Vedic idea, which is really where David Lynch gets it from, uh, that this is, this is a dream that we are a dream. Uh, and I know I just skipped over, you know, a thousand steps to get, you know, into really deep philosophy there, but, you know, um, I do think that it is, um, it's uh, uh, beneficial to think of this in terms of, you know, really, you know, existential fundamental uh, questions about reality. And I do think that that's why you see this circling back and forth, you know, the para weird into religion because, you know, they imminently overlap. Um, and I don't just mean, you know, Christianity. I mean, the history of trying to figure out why we're here and what we are and what we're doing. Um, and as the limits of, you know, our, our phenomenal material science, you know, um, leave us with some people with burning questions. I think, you know, you get, um, uh, uh, people are creating things, but, you know, the idea of whether or not we ourselves are, you know, we're creating our own reality, um, uh, that certainly has been something people have been wondering for, for I think ever since we were around and had symbolic thinking, you know, going on. And, and like, and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, there, there are a ton of examples too, of things with like UFO encounters that appeared first in fiction, mm -hmm. and sometimes in very obscure fiction only to be reported as real things later. Yeah. With the whole Dybbuk box, thing that i was talking about earlier i mean there were actual um paranormal things that happened with these boxes even though they were made up they were they were not old wine cabinets that were made by a holocaust survivor to curse the nazis or whatever you know i mean that whole thing's made up but but people were actually having paranormal experiences with them well, I think so, a lot of I think a lot of the the energy that paranormal experiences use come from us. So if we're focused on that thing mm -hmm. being scary, even especially subconsciously, that might direct it toward that thing. Yep. Yep. I, I think it's way more complicated than just saying, "Oh, it's fake." I, I think there's there there is a real component to it. So the, the world is vastly more complicated than any of us understands. That's for damn sure. Guys, uh, as we're kind of concluding here, you all are going to be with us, all three of you, um, at the Strange Realities Conference coming up October 15th through the 17th. In one form or another. Yeah, in one form or another. So um, we actually went early, as we were recording this, we went uh, live earlier tonight with an announcement. But uh, you guys, I uh, just want to get you kind of just what you guys are going to talk about. We'll start with you, Chris. So um, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit. I, um, 
in this idea of, you know, where do some of these um, tropes of, uh, you know, the occult and the esoteric come from? And, you know, do they come from fiction or are there, you know, real instances of that? So what I'm actually going to be talking about is I'm going to be talking about um, uh, the notion, the tropes of secret chiefs, uh, ascended masters, Mahatmas. And then um, what uh, is the cosmology and mythology from uh, the, uh, the, the, the order, the lineage of uh, uh, the mystic Meher Baba that my parents um, followed? Uh, he passed the, in the past in 1969, the past century. Uh, but this was a, uh, you know, at the time, living, breathing person that many, many, um, you know, Westerners, so in, uh, primary English speakers, knew and spoke with uh and there is a whole um uh cosmology of essentially secret chiefs that uh this you know lineage of sort of a hybrid vedic sufi zoroaster uh zoroastrian um uh uh, lineage comes from. And so I'm going to talk about that. And, you know, uh, it will be one example, you know, again, not saying this is true or not, but here, you know, our one documented example of, you know, a uh, uh, sort of a living, breathing um, uh, philosophy based around this idea of secret chiefs, but that works in sort of a different way than theosophy does. Okay. Cool. Aaron? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be talking about saucer felons, about um, criminals in the flying saucer scene. So is Reinhold Schmidt going to Reinhold Schmidt. Nice. Reinhold Schmidt. We we got uh, Frank Stranges and his plane full of pot. Um, we've got uh, <laughs> we've got some others. So and and um, you know it, it's are, are we going to always talk about convicted felons? Well, no, but just just like maybe in some cases strongly probable felonies um mm-hmm. so it, it, it's it's going to be uh hopefully um more sort of fun and uh and 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 light so because awesome. I, a, a lot of the topics at this conference are going to be very very thinky like yeah. the hidden cosmology of the secret chiefs so exactly. i'm, I'm gonna have reinhold schmidt ripping off old ladies with uh with bad land deals for, for a little <laughs> bit there. i look forward to that <laughs> All right, so, and Soraya, what are you going to be talking about? He's going to be channeling the nine live. I was just going to say that. How did you know? I'm going to answer all the secrets of the universe by channeling the nine live on stage. You you should just add add Seth in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, Seth will drop by for a few minutes. And Raw. (laughs) No, I don't like Raw. No. Ashtar. Ashtar's got to come back at some point. Yeah. Yeah, Ashtar should stop in. It'll be a very interesting and uh, uh, unpredictable conversation. More likely, I'll just talk about whatever's on my brain that week that I take notes about and do a talk about. Whatever paranormal experiences you have on the way to Nashville. Right. (laughs) So when I show up three hours late because I was abducted by a strange light in the sky. Uh, Which which could happen. You got picked up on the side of the road by a black Cadillac. Right. And oddly enough, Aaron Gullius was in it. However, uh-huh. Aaron Gullius was already at the convention. Ah, uh-huh. well, okay. I do have. Uh, so so just so you guys know, the audience out there, um, Aaron, uh, do have you speaking Friday night. OK. And uh, Chris is going to be uh, sometime on Saturday afternoon and Soraya will be sometime Saturday evening. Yay. So I, I just mapping out the uh, 
the awesome. schedule. So just to let everybody know that we're going to have a schedule up pretty soon as well. We're having so to check the position of the planets and everybody's zodiac sign and everything. So. Yes, yes, absolutely. And also, we should mention that we're going to try to be as safe as we possibly can. Uh, we are going to require uh, proof of vaccination at the door or a negative COVID test within 72 hours. Um, this Your is just papers, the world please. That we live in. So. Everybody else, uh, everybody, uh, everybody else around us, venue-wise, is doing this at the moment. So I think that we're going to be doing the same thing. So, cool. yeah, of course, you know, a lot can change in two months. So a lot can change in two months. That's true. For better so, or worse, right? So, we are in an extremely liminal time. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the X gene to kick in. Uh, so are we all? So uh, I think we'll go ahead and close it. Uh, if you guys would. We're going to do a Patreon segment if you guys would like to, to yeah. hang out, which the Patreon audience may have already heard. Guys, uh, again, Strange Realities Conference, all three of these gentlemen will will be there. Nashville, Tennessee, October 15th through 17th. That is $70 to come, and uh, we are restricting that also to 40 tickets only uh, so we can kind of limit the amount of people that we have there. And but that does not mean that you cannot attend because we do have the $30 online uh, as well. So if you want to see still see these presentations, uh, you can um, buy a ticket, get into the uh, secret Facebook group to view those presentations. Also, we'll probably have an alternate for people that don't use Facebook as well. Um, looking at uh, Twitch doing that. Um, you said seventy dollars for the weekend. What if someone wants to come for one day? Uh, we probably are not going to do that because we're yeah because we're limiting tickets. Gotcha. So we, we were thinking of doing that, but uh, since we don't want to be a super spreader event, we're <laughs> only letting in yeah, yeah. people. Who- I, again, though, things might change. I mean, you yeah. know, it is two months away. So we may open it a little bit more. It just it just depends. We are telling everybody though, get your tickets as soon as possible if you want to come. I mean, because and the uh, the hotel uh, that um, you guys will be staying at, uh, we've got a block of rooms there, and there that's that special was good for like to like September fourteenth. So if somebody hasn't come from out of town and you haven't gotten your room yet, you know, try to get your tickets and as soon as possible. I did want to let. Yes. Yes. I did yes. want to let Aaron know that I think you guys are going to be pretty close to the Fiddler's Inn, which is mentioned as a uh, a, a spot of uh, mind control monarch programming in in several uh, early '90s conspiracy tomes. Nice, a little uh, Kathy O'Brien action. Then. Yeah. I think yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Uh, tell everybody uh, where they can find you guys, starting with Mister Soraya. Where did the road go.com and you know the last exit.org if you like heavy music? Which who yeah. does it? I uh, can go to brightrectangle.com uh, and that's where my stuff is. Uh, and the movies that I make with uh, Bill Darman, you can link through there too. All right, and Mr. Gullius, um, saucerlife.com. All right, also highly recommended. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, Sergio can tell everybody where they can find our Patreon if you want to help us out. If you want to check out these weekly awesome 
Patreon episodes and join the International Order of Conspiranormalists, go to patreon.com slash conspiranormal. Uh, at the $5 level, you get one of these episodes every week. And at the $10 level, you get to hang out every month in the Mystic Crew, uh, which is kind of like our own little mini strange realities where we have presentations every week and kind of serves as a uh, really cool think tank or idea incubator um, for uh, people in our orbit and guests, let you get access to those guests too. Uh, so check us out at patreon.com slash conspiranormal. Do it. Do it now. <laughs> do it now. All right. Uh, thank you guys. And we will be back with another roundtable next week. Uh, we will talk to you later on Conspiranormal. almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement whether mom's into classic dress watches rare and refined ceramics or tried and true bestsellers movement has something she'll love and right now you can save big on the best mother's day gift ever with up to 50 percent off site-wide during movement's mother's day sale at mvmt.com again that's up to 50 percent off at mvmt.com May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com.